Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and let's look at part four of our talk on cystic pancreatic neoplasms. And uh, you remember last time we spoke a bit about some of the things we look at in terms of septations, in terms of ductal dilatation of both pancreatic and common duct. We mentioned a number of different things. We also spoke about some of the different lesions. And what I'd like to speak about this time, or start with at least, is intraductal papillary mucinous tumors, or IPMNs. We see these incidentally so commonly now, and we did a paper, or we're in the middle of doing a paper, where over age 50, we see cystic lesions incidentally in 3% of patients. Now, these IPMNs are equally frequent in men and women, more common in the older age group, 6th and 7th decade of life. It's typically associated with a dilated pancreatic duct, and the lesions may be multiple and variable in size. They're initially referred to as mucin-producing pancreatic neoplasms, but this IPMN works very nicely. Occasionally, patients will have prior symptoms like pancreatitis, but most patients, it's an incidental finding and most common in the head and uncinate process of the pancreas. Typically, the CT findings can range from a dilated main pancreatic duct or dilated main branches and peripheral branches. You occasionally can see dystrophic calcifications, and you may see clusters or grape-like appearances to these lesions. They're typically described as central or uh, off-side branches. The side branch ones are typically benign. The central ones are worrisome for malignancy. Here's a side branch IPMN nicely shown in this example, where we have a curved planar reconstruction of the duct, very nicely shown. And here's another example where we see a cystic lesion, but it's centrally located. You see the duct posterior to it. I'll show it to you in a few different presentations. And this is what's considered a central IPMN. And these are the ones that are treated aggressively. You don't follow these. You simply operate on these because of the increased incidence of adenocarcinoma. Now, I mentioned these lesions can be multiple. Here's an example of a dilated pancreatic duct with multiple small cystic outpouchings, and I'll show it to you through a few different displays. Again, you think of a dilated duct, you think of chronic pancreatitis, but then you often see calcifications. When you look carefully at this case, you see numerous side branches. That side branches is really what we're talking about with IPMNs. Now again, this is a lesion. You have two choices. You do a pancreatectomy. You've got to do a total pancreatectomy. That's not trivial in an older patient. You know, they become diabetic and can be very fragile. Or you simply watch this carefully. But if you have a lesion like this where it's central, the duct focally dilates proximally, this is a central lesion. You're worrying about a central IPMN. Now this lesion, you may say, gee, that's not that impressive, but it's worrisome. If you want to see what I call impressive, look at this next case. That's the duct. The entire duct is dilated like a sack of potatoes. That's a humongous IPMN, and that's coming out. You see in the uncinate, there's some nodularity that goes along with the malignancy. In terms of pancreatic lesions, let's go back beyond the cystic lesions. Let's again talk a little bit more about adenocarcinoma. I mentioned things we look at. We look at the liver, of course. We look at vessels. We look at ducts. We also look for nodes. And in terms of spread of disease, we always like to comment that local nodes do not change whether or not a patient's resectable. Bulky nodes distally will. 
Liver meds, we said, will always make someone unresectable, as will carcinomatosis, as will lung metastasis, though lung meds are uncommon. So in this patient who has a dilated pancreatic duct or cavassier gallbladder, a dilated common duct, and a mass in the head of the pancreas, the portal vein looks good, the SMA looks good, the only problem is this patient has a liver metastasis, so this patient is unresectable. The issue with liver metastasis is not a trivial one. When you talk about liver mets and pancreatic cancer, one of the most common missed areas of tumor spread still are small metastasis in the liver. Now we're getting better at it. Here was one article and here's a second article which shows that when you make a mistake, the most common mistake is in liver mets. So we tend to undercall liver mets because they're often small and often on the surface. Now remember, for adenocarcinoma, the liver mets are typically hypovascular, but if you have an islet cell tumor, as in this case, the mets are hypervascular, be it 2D or 3D imaging. Now, I mentioned adenopathy. Here's an example of a pancreatic tumor with bulky nodes involving the region of the left renal artery and vein. When you have bulky nodes like this, the patient is unresectable. That is very, very simple. Now, when you have local nodes, nodes near the pancreatic head or the porta, that does not change resectability. Often, the surgeon will remove 15 to 25 nodes, and a couple will be positive. Those patients get post-op chemotherapy and radiation therapy, but that, as shown in this article, should not prevent attempt at curative resection. So we look at examples. Pancreatic mass, but these are really bulky nodes. Those nodes are just way too large in the periodic region. That patient is not going to be resectable. And here it is again on a coronal display. I mentioned carcinomatosis, of course. Carcinomatosis would surely make you unresectable. So again, think about those findings and look at them very carefully. The last thing you want to have is a patient go to surgery, be opened up, and then closed because of carcinomatosis. Now, I mentioned the start of this talk about vessels. I said classically, arterial or venous encasement means you're unresectable. But now, certain groups like at Hopkins, with venous involvement, will do segmental resections and put patch grafts in. Number of articles. Here's an article that says dual-phase CT improves prediction of resectability of pancreatic cancer, but it commented about the limitations of CT angiography, but that was 1998. On the other hand, at the same time, Raptopoulos showed that the negative predictive value for CT with angiography was 96% versus axial alone being 70%. So you can see, depending on the study, even going back uh, 10 years ago, CTA was helpful, but it depended in whose hands it was. There was an article like this one, which showed that 2D and 3D weren't really that helpful when you compared it to axial imaging, but this article, which is now a good six years old, had several problems, that the readers were inexperienced and they were given pre-selected images generated by a technologist. So again, when we speak about the best we can do with CTA, the best we can do with 3D, it's experienced readers with interactive rendering. Now, you can see a more recent article for detection of vascular invasion, CT yielded a negative predictive value of 100% with no false negative findings and an accuracy of 99% with one false positive finding. 
And that was simply with uh, multiphasic imaging and curved planar reformats. When you go to CTA angiography, look at the quality of the images. CTA, it's almost like injecting into certain vessels. Here it looks like a hepatic artery injection. Look how nicely you see the gastroduodenal artery. And in this patient, we can see a small tumor, but the GDA is encased. So again, the importance of recognizing even the smallest of vessels. We can see in this patient another example of GDA encasement. So even these very small vessels were very good. Now remember, GDA encasement does not make you unresectable. What about this case? The hepatic artery is encased, but the tumor does not extend to the celiac, and so this patient would indeed be resectable. Or this case, unfortunately, the tumor involves the hepatic artery. Hepatic artery involvement typically makes the patient unresectable, as of course does celiac involvement. So are arteries, celiac, SMA in this example, that makes you unresectable. Venous, this case the splenic vein is occluded. As long as there's no involvement of the portal vein, the patient theoretically is still resectable. On the other hand, in this example, where there's early portal vein involvement at the portal vein SMV splenic vein confluence, that patient is unresectable. So again, it's not the length always of the involvement, it's the location. And so in this example, you see the portal vein SMV splenic vein confluence again is encased, and you see it very nicely in this example as well. Very nice encasement, and here it's side by side. Volume rendering shows you a not very large mass, but unfortunately it's critically located. In addition to involvement of the portal vein, uh, we also can see clot in the portal vein, and here's a very nice example of perfusion changes within the liver with thrombus in the portal vein. You can see collateralization, tumor grows up into the portal vein, and not surprisingly, you get cavernous transformation of the portal vein. This patient is obviously unresectable, and here we'll look at a few different images, axials showing cavernous transformation. Here's the coronal showing the uh, large dilated vessels in the hilum of the liver, so-called cavernous transformation. Here is the same patient with volume rendering where you very nicely see the portal vein thrombosis and cavernous transformation, the huge collaterals. And here it is in showing it to you on a MIP image. So again, visualization, multiplanar, volume rendering, MIP. There's another volume rendered image. And here is the MIP side by side. Again, recognizing the MIP shows you the collaterals a bit better in a quicker fashion because it gives you that projection technique. Now, I showed you an example on the venous side of portal vein thrombosis. Once you have portal vein thrombosis, that patient will not be going for a section. I mentioned that SMV involvement for a small segment potentially you can resect, but in a case like this, that SMV is markedly narrowed. In that situation, the patient will not be getting resection. Another example, same images, same patient. Very impressive encasement, collateralization through the mesenteric vessels. Another case, here's an example of a large tumor in the body and tail of the pancreas, liver metastasis, invasion of the portal vein, invasion of SMV. Again, this case is not a very difficult one. The liver mets in and of itself make the patient unresectable, 
But I thought I would show you a nice example where the patient's portal vein is involved with direct extension into portal vein. Again, the importance of looking at vessels cannot be overemphasized because if we go from a case like this with very large tumor involvement to a case like this where the tumor is relatively small and the involvement is relatively focal, we still recognize that focal involvement critically located, in this case is next to the patient's portal vein, splenic vein, SMV confluence, results in very impressive collaterals. And you can see this patient ended up not being resectable. Very, very impressive collaterals, gastroploic vessels uh, showed very nicely. I do want to make the point, of course, that seeing collaterals does not mean someone has cancer or by itself is unresectable. You can see extensive collaterals in this patient who has multiple pseudocysts, which included the splenic vein. So it's not a sign of malignancy, and it's not a sign definitively of unresectability. So let's make some conclusions now. I've showed you axials, but I've really focused on 3D imaging. If you want to do the best pancreatic imaging possible, you need to go beyond axials to MPRs and curved planar reconstructions and volume rendering and MIP. And we've written about this in several articles. Here was an article Karen and I wrote which showed very nicely the importance of 3D imaging in looking at arterial anatomy, the importance of 3D imaging in looking at venous anatomy in patients with pancreatic cancer. And it's only really by understanding this spectrum, 3D CTA allows optimal visualization and can aid in staging and planning how we treat the patient with pancreatic cancer. So we conclude then, CT criteria allows you a specific diagnosis in the majority of cases, whether it's a cystic tumor or a solid, whether it's a SPEN, whether it's a Moody, whether it's an IPMN, whether it's an islet cell. We spoke about that. There is some overlaps. So you can't always be specific. I've also showed you the importance of signs, whether it's pancreatic duct or whether it's common duct or whether it's the SMA or celiac. And hopefully all those signs will indeed help you very much. And with that, have a nice day.